0: Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. I am pleased to welcome my special guest and dear friend joining me for this amazing episode, Cindy Kaplan. Cindy is a conscious parenting coach who works with all types of families and specializes in working with families raising children with special needs. She also is the co-founder of Evolving Together, a virtual community for parents and caregivers of differently abled children. Her work is infused with yoga, philosophy, and some key areas of her work are rooted in collaborative problem solving, self-care and compassion, boundary setting, and understanding our triggers. She is the author of Free Fall, One Mother's Journey Raising a Child with Special Needs, soon to be published, and is the parent of three kids, including one with significant special needs, ranging in age from 14 to 23. She lives in Massachusetts with her family and her two crazy dogs. She describes the dogs this way, not me. <laughs> Welcome, Cindy. It's wonderful to have you here today for this episode. I'd love to chat with you a little bit about what you are experiencing and seeing in the families that you work with and maybe even in your own family and how you think the pandemic has affected technology use.
1: Yeah, wow. It's affected all of us greatly in both in both wonderful ways and and concerning ways i don't want to say fearful ways but but concerning ways i think you know in so many wonderful ways technology has allowed our kids to stay in school during the part of the pandemic where they couldn't go right so it allowed them to still be in school and for some kids i know they welcomed that they loved being on zoom for classes and for others it was an absolute nightmare and I experienced both of those worlds within my own family. For my son, he loved being on Zoom for class. And, and for my daughter, it was, it was a joke. It was it was a nightmare. We all hated it because it required one of us to be there with her the entire time. And I know that for so many parents with younger kids, it required the parents to be there and monitor and set them up. So any parent who was working from home, who all of a sudden needed to be their child's teacher or supervisor while in school it was exhausting that was one of the one aspect the other is just that you know in terms of physical movement and physical posture right we're all spending so much time I think this affected us as adults and kids the number of hours that we would spend sitting in a chair that we would forget about just the small, ways in which our bodies move throughout the day whether it's even if in school where you're sitting in class there's the in between time where you're walking from class to class you're stopping to get a drink of water so i know just even our posture our kids posture our posture um and and whether that has long as we're sitting up straight now as just say, as we're saying it um will that have long term effects I, I don't know and then there's the and then There's the whole area of screen time rules in the house that went out the window. I know that was the case for us where we didn't allow any screens in my youngest's room. And during COVID, he had his Xbox in his room when he had, because he had COVID at some point, he had his Xbox in his room. He was on school, you know, he was on school on Zoom in his room. And and so to some degree, we just kind of had to throw our hands up. But then it just, of course, and I imagine in so many families and know from speaking to families, how that just created another layer to the dynamic of tension and screen use. Um, So, I mean, there's no question it has uh, it has evolved. And that's and that's just around the screen time that was used for the most part with good purpose. And then we can. Pardon me? Good intention, yeah, for sure. With good intention, and then we can move to like video games and phone, and know that we, as parents, I think all struggled with this idea of well, this is the way they're interacting with friends. It's a social outlet, which is absolutely true, and and I know that that helped me. But yet, I was still concerned, and I know in in with the families with whom I work, also concerned at just the number of hours that their kids were on screen. And, and so I think for so many families too, it just perpetuated and exasperated the, what else are you doing? Right. And just the number of hours sitting in front of a screen, certainly, certainly increased. And, and we know that the numbers of, you know, challenges with mental health has gone up exponentially from the pandemic. Now, how much of it is due to screen use? I don't know how, how clear, but we do know. And I know from, um, what I know about screens that certainly probably more so for those kids who are on social media a lot, but it was, if they were relying on that to have interaction with friends, of course that's going to drive up the rate of comparison from, you know, comparison for yourself and, and exasperate, exasperate, And emphasize the not feeling enoughness.
0: Yeah, I I mean I couldn't agree more with everything you just shared. And, you know, I I also um, I think that what has happened in a lot of families is guilt, you know, has kicked in with parents in in the feeling that, you know, it's my fault that I'm not getting my kids off the screens or, you know, I should be, you know, the shoulds and the blame that I should be doing a better job of policing, you know, so to speak. Uh, what my kids are doing or how my kids are doing it. And you know, I, I think one of the things I'm a big proponent in is not bringing fear, you know, what could they be doing, right? Mm-hmm. And worrying about what that looks like from afar, you know, or maybe hovering. Um, but, you know, more embracing and connecting over screens in a way that help us to see, you know, what our kids are doing on social media, how they're feeling about, what they're looking at, the comparison that's taking place, how do we compare? right? We're human, too. And uh, I try not to scroll because I know it makes me crazy sometimes because I'm human. And so hate to admit it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I think that I think that if we could focus on embracing in this conversation, embracing screens in a way that we can create healthy boundaries with our children, healthy practices, Thoughtful communication, um, connection over screens. You know, I had a conversation with a parent um, I'm working with who has an older teen who is, you know, playing games constantly all the time. And I asked, you know, have you ever played the game that he loves to play or a game that he loves to play to see what it is he's doing? And I have asked this before. I don't know about you, but parents, you know, look at me like, what you know? Why would I ever engage in I that? Hate I, why would I engage? I hate it? it. Right? I yeah. hate it, and it makes me crazy to even see it. Yes. We have to embrace it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: Because if we don't, with the message that our kids hear from the art, because as you know, our kids soak in the energy with everything we deliver. Right. So the words, to some degree, are meaningless. If If they think that we dislike what they're doing on the screen, there's, there's shame around that and it creates a disconnection. So we don't need to love it. We don't need to love the games we're playing, but we can take an interest in figuring out and exploring with them what they like about it. And when we do that, I think that setting boundaries with connection is so much easier. Mm-hmm. right? And and I think there's also, I think that we as parents also have to accept in a big way that if we brought these screens into our house, we have to acknowledge that there's going to be conflict. I have yet to work with a family that doesn't have any screen time conflicts around, around, the, uh, around the screen usage. And the second piece is what you were saying also is that our kids are watching us and they're taking in everything that we're doing. So Again, if we are telling them not to be on their phones, but they see us on our phones all the time, that's a really confusing message.
0: Mm-hmm. And again,
1: I think that's where actions speak louder than words. For sure. And no matter how much we preach that we don't want them on the screens or we don't want them on their phone like this, you know, for this amount of time or what they're doing, if they see us, it sends it, it, sends it's... Uh forgot what I said at the beginning, but it makes it makes it that much harder to to enforce a boundary because look, let me start over.
0: Well, we have that, to be good models. I, I think what you're saying is we have, we to, be, have to be good models good models for our beliefs and our values. You can't bring a value for it. It's like having, it's like correct. saying we're not eating any snack food in this house, no junk food. And then and I I actually knew somebody who did this and had a she had a closet of junk food up high hidden that her kids knew about. Yes. She thought it was hidden.
1: Correct. So she can, she can speak so strongly about the no junk food, but she has to embody it herself. Right. right? So we have to embody this because our kids know, right. Right. Our kids know. And if what we're wanting to pass on is the value, then we have to live that value. In, because in every if single way we yeah. don't live the value, they will take in the value that we're living, not trying to teach.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's not what you say; it's what you do. And so, for all parents listening, before you start to put a boundary around, or or extend a boundary, or look at the boundaries, or talk with your kids about boundaries, look at yourself from the standpoint of, of how you show up with your technology use, what's important to you, what your values are, and check yourself. Are you living your values? I, I don't have children at home, small children here. And yet, you know, I've had technology conflict with my husband where, you know, we're one of the phones shows up at dinner and I'm not saying it's always him. (laughs) I take full responsibility, but you know, dinner is a time where we don't have technology and, and, you know, we're looking, what's the weather tomorrow and whatever it is. And our value has just gone out the window. He never says anything about it, but I'm fully aware that our value has just, you know, and how can I say, hey, why is your phone there when I'm looking at the weather? And that's just a very simple, you know, situation. And that's between two adults. So, you know, in everything we do, we have to really hone in on the values we want to bring forward for our family. But make sure, as you said, I love the word embodiment, make sure that we're embracing and embodying them in our own life first.
1: And if we're not, to also have that compassion and understanding for ourselves, right? I mean, I think over the last couple of years, too, perhaps we are using the screens in a much more um, an exaggerated way than when we were before either. And so we can choose to beat ourselves up about it and know that when we react to our kids, it's often coming from that place. So that if we can find the self-compassion for ourselves, it's never too late to, to, to create a shift. And I think that, you know, you were saying before that it's so valuable, valuable to connect with our kids through the screens, right? Whether it's looking at what their screen usage is or their games and understanding it, or even if it's accepting their language, right? Mm -hmm. With my younger son who texts, I'll text with him, right? Because that's the language he's using. And... The other piece of that connection though, is what connections are we making? And this involves kind of zooming out the lens, Mm -hmm. is what connections are we making with our kids outside the screens, right? Rather than just trying to make them be different, how are we asking them to engage outside of the screen? And, And I then believe we really have to trust that down the road, if we are doing other things with our kids, where there is true connection outside of the screens, that that will, that will form a real solid place within them. And I really believe that our kids want that type of connection over the, over the screen, even though they want the screen. Often they're wanting the screen because they are not having that connection in other ways, whether they don't remember how, whether they've whether they're not interested or whether we're not creating those situations to allow that to happen.
0: That's beautiful. And I think, you know, we've been through really unprecedented times where, you know, the screen usage has gone up for everybody. And so, like you said, be compassionate with yourself. Look at this point forward. The past is the past. We can't change what is. And, you know, know that this is unprecedented. Every family that I know of has dealt with, you know, screen usage to a high degree in their home and, you know, and maybe dissatisfied with it. But again, it is what it is, right? And there's no time like the present to look at it and shift it. And I, you know, I I agree with what you're saying as well, of course, um, about connection. And I think, you know, some families, and you may see this as well, struggle with connection because they tried to force it, right? You need to get off your computer or your Xbox or your tablet or your cell phone or and come do this with me. So it's a way to get them off of something else as opposed to a way to connect. And so I highly recommend, and I imagine you do too, separating the two. You know, we're not we're not trying to take our child from this chair on this tablet to a different chair with us that has something different to offer we want to connect with our kids in different ways that they might enjoy doing with us you know if they like to be outside they like to go on a hike they want to play soccer they whatever the case may be things that are our children's interests not just ours and find a way to bring that to life not as a punishment or as a uh, you know a um a
1: carrot. Them.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. We're not right. Coercion. I, I don't know. You know, there's a lot of manipulation, coercion. You know, it's not this or that. It can be both. And so, you know, have you had experience in your own family with that, that you could share?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted to say a couple of couple of things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it when when families ask me about, you know, what screen limits do I have in my house? My general answer is it changes weekly. And, and I'm really okay with that because to me, what has been the most valuable with my son is the conversations we have around it. That at this point, I go to bed before him and on the weekends, he's on the Xbox until 11, 1130 at night, right? He doesn't use it during the days, weekdays, but he but he's on there with his friends during the weekends. And I'm in bed. I, I actually don't know what time he turns it off, but generally it's around 12, 12 between 11 and twelve thirty, I think. And, um, and I could get really reactive to that, but what, what I have found to be the most fruitful and meaningful is that we will have continual conversations when I'm sensing that it's too much, or I'm feeling uncomfortable with the fact that he's on too late or too many hours, we sit down and we have a conversation, not with me threatening, not with me trying to control it, But me moving out of a place of fear and moving into my place of concern and what I'm concerned about. So I will openly say to him, I'm concerned that you're not getting the physical exercise you need. Or I'll say, I'm concerned that you're not reading and I know you love to read. Or I'm concerned you're not doing the other things that you're interested in because this is taking up so much of your energy. And I want you to be able to enjoy it. I want you to have the screen. I want you to be able to play the Xbox. I want you to have your phone. But when I see it's getting in the way of these other things that are so that I know are so important for your development, I feel like we have to shift something. And then I prefer to put it to him and ask him what he suggests because what he hears then from me is not I'm bad or shame, but my mom's concerned. And so how do I address, how can I address that? And so as long as we can have those conversations, what the screen usage looks
0: like in our house
1: can change on a weekly basis in terms of the rules or the limits.
0: Or daily, Uh perhaps. But, you know, I love from that story, the, the communication process is an opportunity to empower our children. They need to feel empowered. They need to feel part of the conversation, not spoken at. Or two, but spoken with, and you know these are deep concerns that parents have all over the world. And so bringing the concern to our children and having them be part of the solution and finding a different way to navigate forward from their angle, from their thoughts, from, you know, what they think they can do to alleviate the concerns makes our children feel valuable, number one, in the conversation, important seen heard you know thought about as intelligent and you know and and uh necessary human beings in the conversation correct and
1: i'll add you know one thing that we've done recently he wait he did not have a phone until eighth grade and now we have an agreement that because i didn't want phones in the bedroom Mm -hmm. but we have an agreement that the phone gets charged in the kitchen If I notice in the morning the phone was not charged in the kitchen, we made an agreement that he doesn't have the phone that afternoon or he doesn't have it that day. And he said, but mom, I need it when I'm at school. And I thought, I noticed the part of me that said, no, 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 you can't have it for the day. And I thought, okay, that's fair. I get that. He needs it at school. And I said, okay, I get that. So then when you come home from school, you can give it to me for the few hours or until the evening. And he said, okay. So what that means is, and there have been a couple of mornings where he has forgotten to plug it in. But there isn't any angst and there isn't any power dynamic and there isn't any controlling. I can really state from a neutral place, hey, I noticed your phone wasn't charged. And then he will just respond by saying, oh, shoot, I blah, 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 blah. I'll give it to you when I get back from school. And that's it. But my, my hope and my belief is that he then learns how to have his own limits mm-hmm. with it. And there isn't any shame factor in this. Okay, so he messed up, he forgot to think about it. And so maybe he'll think differently. And it kind of forces this time off of the phone where he has to come up with other things to do. Yeah. But we don't need to get into a power dynamic over it. It's just it's just an agreement we made so that it's an easier way. And I think a respectful way to hold him accountable.
0: Yeah, he's holding himself accountable by turning the phone over to you and with such ease, yes. which is beautiful. And this is why they have to be part of the conversation. Because yeah. then they they are involved in the decision making, and it isn't it doesn't become a power struggle. And perhaps that decision making and the empowerment lasts a week or two, and then it does become a power struggle. Then we need to revisit it, so that we can see why this has led to the struggle. So and you I know, think that I, revisiting that we, is so important. Yeah, we can all
1: revisit it. We can revisit our own screen usage. Right. right? I'm, I'm still working on trying to keep my phone out, not having my phone as my alarm clock.
0: Oh, really? How's that going?
1: <laughs> no, because I love the sounds that I can get from my alarm clock on my phone. Right. And I have tried different alarm clocks and then I go back to my phone. But the downside is that it takes an extra amount of willpower and restraint to not look at everything else on the phone before I get out of bed. Right. And I don't want that. So, yeah. oh, I hear and you. And I'm yeah. able to do that. And some mornings I'm not. I want to be able to just wake up and go about my day before I look at my phone for anything else. But when it's my alarm, it's really hard not to.
0: Yeah. And when it's right by the bed. But you know, it's it's interesting. I I made an agreement with myself uh, about that because I did pick it up, look at it, start to read. It. I mean, I wouldn't even have my glasses on. <laughs> you know, I could barely see the phone and would be looking at it that coffee comes before anything. So it gets me up, I move my body, go get the coffee, you know, and and then I'm distracted. So I like, don't have the phone. Yes. So yes. yeah, it's, it's, uh it's full circle. You know, we all have to be in this together, we all have to find a way to feel empowered to move forward in what serves us not with guilt, not with shame, not with negative energy. But from a from a Connected place with ourselves and our own values, as well as with our children, from an empowerment and um, and empathizing and understanding that the last two years have been really hard on them. You know, I had this conversation. I'll just tell you this real briefly. I had this conversation with a, a client yesterday, where I said, "What do you think it was like for your kids during these last two years?" And she thought, and she said, "Huh." You know, I imagine it was really hard. And, and you know, then she started to really plow through what they might have experienced. And so it, I think it's important to ask our children. I think it's important to visit this Absolutely. and talk about what we've learned about ourselves. I mean, it's been two years of, you know, real shift and very difficult and, you know, more difficult for some than others. And it's an opportunity to tap into what was hard and what we've learned and how we see ourselves differently, maybe from the experience. So, you know, this is, this is growth for lots of families by stepping into this place, because the world didn't just experience a pandemic, you know, each individual in the world did. And your individuals are your children too, they're human too, and they're affected too. Right.
1: And thinking of that, individually, as you just beautifully said, I just like every day is a new day and I can start fresh and be and forgive myself or be compassionate towards myself and say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to, again, get out of bed and go have my tea before I, you know, look at anything else on my phone is that as an individual family, I think this is also, as we move into a new phase with the pandemic, it's a moment and an opportunity to actually sit down with your family and say, okay, this is what Just because it has been this way doesn't mean that you can't start a change and your kids are two years older than they were when the pandemic started. And to sit down and be able to have a conversation, I know this is how it's looked for the past two years. Now we're here and let's talk about how we want things to move forward. So there's just, there's, there's, it's never too late to assess and understand and take that compassion and understanding for where we've been, where our kids have been and think about what we want things to look like moving forward, and to bring them into that conversation.
0: Love that. And I think that's a beautiful place to leave our listeners. It's never too late. No, Step into that space. So I hope that you all who are listening to this episode take that forward with you because great advice from the fantastic Cindy Kaplan, who I'm so delighted was here with us today. Is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with?
1: i just you know I, I think the piece that you just emphasized that it's never too late to involve our kids and and to really look at what we're doing yeah. and and really understanding that what we're doing and the messaging that is coming through underneath the words is so important Beautiful. and that we, and that we will make
0: when we decide to make a shift
1: our kids learn from
0: that as well yeah yeah and it's never too late to make a shift just a Bring that back around. Yes. Cindy, yes. where can people find out more about you?
1: Um, I have my website, which is CindyKcoaching.com. And I am now getting better at using Instagram and whatever it's called, whether it's a name or a handle, I don't even know what you call it, but it's kaplan with a k dot parent dot
0: coach. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining and for sharing all your incredible wisdom. And Um, to our listeners, Thank thank you for being here. And remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.